Welcome to the Reformation Fellowship Podcast. Reformation Fellowship provides support and fellowship for all who would stand for the Reformation of Christ Church worldwide. We long to see the church revitalized by the gospel and seek to encourage all who share that vision. We gather together for gospel-hearted fellowship around gospel-minded theology. Hello and welcome back to the Reformation Fellowship Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Schell, and this is part two of a conversation on ministering from grace and ministering grace to God's people with Pastor Ricky Jones, the preaching and teaching pastor at River Oaks Presbyterian Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Part one was very rich. Please go back and listen to that. And once you have, then come back here and let's all jump in together. You know, this. I'm sure that some people are 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 listening. Maybe they're pastors. Maybe they're they're lay leaders. Maybe they're new to the faith, and they're they're hearing us talk about grace and being a a, a place of rest and um, forgiveness, and not getting so uptight about failures and and things like that. And maybe uh, maybe. The concern for some is, well, at what point do I know when to kick my people in the in the tail so that they'll actually start obeying or growing or like what, it, what do we do to help people change if we're if we're just ministering grace to people? How would you um, maybe you've heard it said in different ways, so feel free to uh, clarify what I'm trying to ask. Um, sure. But, I, I think there's two uh, answers to that. It's a fear question. Everybody's afraid that if we teach too much grace, all of our church members are going to go off and, um, you know, start robbing banks and uh, <laughs> taking in prostitutes and um, or visiting prostitutes. And, that, and that's just not true. Uh, and, and I want I, and I would say three things to the pastors. One is you need to trust the Holy Spirit that his people are born again. And, and they have new spirits and, and, and he is conforming them to the image of Christ. And it's, it's beholding the glory of Christ, according to 2 Corinthians 2, it's beholding the glory of Christ that allows the Holy Spirit to conform us into the image of Christ. Um, and so mm-hmm. hold up, preaching preaching sin leads to condemnation and you have to do, but I mean, you have to do it, but honestly, like um, last Sunday I was, I'm preaching on the final chapters of Galatians and he talks about the sins of the flesh and one of them is witchcraft. And so I just kind of stopped and I said, okay, don't, don't do witchcraft guys. I I think our our church members know what the sins are. I mean, you know, children are different. They need to be taught the law and, New Christians are different. They, they may, need, may need to be taught the law and what things to stay away from. But in general, people who've been in the church any time at all, they know the law. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not knowledge of the law that causes them to sin. It's lack of, of power. There's no power in them to overcome their flesh because the law doesn't give them power. It's the gospel that gives them power. It's the Holy Spirit that gives them power. It's love that gives you power, you know. I, uh, I, I went home one, um, and that's the second thing. First, so the first thing I would say is trust the Holy Spirit. Your people have been regenerated, and uh, he's not going to let them 
you know, fly off into profound sin just because of grace. That's, that's not what's going to cause it. Um, the second thing I would say is just remember that love is a much, much stronger motivation than fear. Uh, you know, fear of the Lord is where religion begins. But according to first John, perfect love casts out fear. I mean, I don't, I don't want my church members who have been walking with Christ anytime at all, you know, more than let's say a, a year or two to fear the Lord anymore. I want that, that fear to be cast out by perfect love and, and a confidence that they've been received and accepted and blessed and they're delighted in. Mm-hmm. Um, and the illustration I always use, I, I went home one year for Christmas and my brother who uh, was seven years older than me and just never, ever really took good care of himself. Um, he, uh, he had lost like 40 pounds and looked great and healthy. And I was like, I was kind of shocked and a little bit worried that maybe he was sick, you know, and maybe, you know, cancer was eating him up or something. So I just kind of asked, like, what, how'd you lose so much weight? And he started talking about, you know, drinking all this water and how drinking a gallon of water a day had, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, that's not how you lost so much weight. And he said, well, I also quit drinking beer. And I was stunned. You know, I was like, what? You stopped drinking beer? I mean, is, is this Budweiser stock gone in the toilet? I mean, what <laughs> is this affecting the economy of St. Louis? Um, and uh, I said, well, why have you done that? And he said, <laughs> He said, well, Kim really likes that. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, who's Kim? And, you know, three months later, I was doing a wedding between him and Kim. And, mm-hmm. uh, and she was, you know, one of the best things that ever happened to him. And uh, it was beautiful. I mean, you know, all the cajoling, all of mom's uh, lecturing, all the, the, the news, the, you know, the, the, uh, the reports of how alcohol and smoking are, terrible for you all that stuff never gave him the power to quit but kim because she loved him and because he loved her that love empowered him to quit drinking and smoking and you know and transform his life and and brought him to church and he met jesus or re-met jesus and you know that's that's what love does love has so much greater power than fear and then thirdly, you know, if you're still really afraid of preaching grace, um, you know, I've heard this, que- this question a million times. So many times I've, I've got the answer a little too well rehearsed. Um, but I'll w- I just ask people what they're afraid of, and they'll say, well, that they're going to go out and sin. And I look at them and I say, well, they are going to go out and sin. They an- and sin. They will. That is going to happen because they're broken people. The question is, do you want them to hide from you or do you want them to come to you and confess and be made right with Jesus and, and, and get that sin dealt with. And, Hmm. and when they're dealing with temptation, when they're feeling tempted to sin, you know, do you want them to hide from you um, and lie to you? Or do you want them to reach out to you and say, "I'm, I'm tempted right now. Can you pray for me? Because just mm-hmm. reaching out to a brother and telling them that you're tempted usually frees you from the power of temptation. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, hiding makes sin grow. And, and bringing things to the light makes sin wither and die. 
So you want to be the kind of church, the kind of pastor, the kind of community that can confess sin and will show each other grace and love uh, in response to sin, not that, you know, where people have to run and hide when they sin or um, lie about their sin and keep it covered up so that it grows and grows and grows. So uh, oddly enough, and this is, I am wrapping this up. um, A lot of times people will say, well, if you preach too much grace, you're making light of sin. And ironically, I, I would say just the opposite. If you think all you need to do is give people law, you're assuming that sin is such a small thing that you know, you can keep it in the flesh, that you can keep the law with the flesh. And you can't. You, yeah. you need the power of God unto salvation. You need grace to enable you to keep, to live righteously. Not, no, no power of the flesh and no law will enable yeah. that. Yeah. It's God's kindness mm-hmm. is to repentance. God's kindness leads us to repentance. It was the, mm-hmm. the goodness of God that brought the prodigal son home. You know, I love it that seeing it that way, you know, and he said, he said, um, you know, my, my father's slaves have it better than I do. You know, he finally realized that, you know, that, that his father was good and, and he would be better being a slave. Of course, his father would never let him be a slave, but um, you know, it's, it's better to be in his father's house. That's what made him come back. You know, it didn't say, he came to himself and all of a sudden thought, man, if I don't hurry up and go back home, my dad's going to send out an army and kill me or spank me. You know, it was yeah. the goodness of God that brought him back home. Yeah. No, that's good. <clears throat> that's good. Sorry, I got on a roll there. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's leave the soapbox up for a little bit. We, we may need... <laughs> um, Ricky, how is... Um, I'm sure it's made a massive change, but give us some idea of how this changes the way you pastor, you preach, you counsel, you disciple. What's um, we heard some of <laughs> what your students uh, kind of feedback was from uh, from college ministry days, but um, how's this changed uh, the way you are you're ministering to people now? Well, it, it, it creates a, an, an atmosphere of, of authenticity and integrity. Uh, when I train my elders every other year, we, we get new elders every other year. And from the very first time uh, I, I got them together to train them, the very first meeting, um, they listened to me confess my sins for about the first 30 minutes. And I, I tell them, you know, this is not a, this is not a church where people come to the church to confess their sins to the pastor only. It's also the kind of church where the pastor comes to the church to confess his sins. And, mm-hmm. uh, and we do that with freedom because we believe in God's grace. And um, I can't pretend to be perfect and expect people to believe in grace. Not that they would really believe me anyway. Um, you know, so that's that's one way. Every sermon that I preach is a message of, you know, how the Lord's grace enables you to do this. It's not, um, you know, most preachers, we only have one sermon. 
And uh, most people, I, I think, unfortunately, the, the majority of sermons in America lately have become either, you know, look at how awful the world is. They are destroying our culture or, um, you know, list, it's a list of do's and don'ts and five ways to, to stop doing this or that sin. And instead of drawing people into the love of Christ and, and enabling them to believe that because it's hard, Justin, it's not our natural state. It's not the, the sinful man's state and it's not the regenerate man's early state to believe, to trust God's goodness. So I told you, you know, about the one student who said, you know, that my, my specialty when I was his campus minister was in making people feel bad and making them feel the weight of their sin. And that needs to be done sometimes. And I still do it, but not nearly as often. It's not the goal of every sermon. And uh, just to tell you, show you how the Lord's transformed me. Uh, I'll share this story that really made me thank God. But uh, somebody took me to dinner last year and he said, um, he said, you know, I want you to know that you, you are, are Robin Williams to, to my Matt Damon in Goodwill Hunting. And mm. this is a podcast, so your listeners won't get it, but I look like Robin Williams. I've been told that my entire life. And so I laughed and I said, you mean because I got this silly looking chin? And he said, no. He said, he said don't you remember that scene where he, he pins Matt Damon up against the wall and they keep saying it's not your fault. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, this is, this is what your ministry has done for me. You, you look at me and you say, God loves you. And I say, don't, I, I know, I know. No, really. God loves you. Mm. Now don't get started with that. No, really. God loves you. And, and, and finally, you know, after the 10th, 11th time, I begin mm. to believe it and I begin to weep and, and, you know, thank you for doing that and overcoming my defenses. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of thing that you just dream of somebody telling you. And that's, that's how the Lord's transformed my ministry. Hmm. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. That's great. Um, help us think through, I, I know some of our listeners are, they're counseling folks, they're preaching, they're, um, you know, doing a wide variety of disciple making, how can they begin to think of about what they're doing as ministering grace to God's people mm -hmm. um, in, instead of maybe the, the whatever cliche about ministry <laughs> that yeah. they either somehow somehow picked up along the way or or something else. What any any I don't know uh, whether principles are even practical. Yeah. I, you know, I think in, in counseling, you want to foster an atmosphere of of honesty and transparency that comes from from you being transparent, not pretending to have all the answers, and you know, and even sharing stories of your struggles. Um, I don't think we do that enough in counseling. We don't establish rapport and our counselees don't believe that, you know, they think we are the guy with all the answers and that's, that's foolish. We're not, we are the person who knows God well and knows that, that he's going to lead them. 
-hmm. and I want, I want you to be like that. I want you to trust God the way I do. And I want you to confess your sins the way I do, because I want you to have the freedom that I have. So I think, you know, really just being willing to share your own weakness and your own uh, need for Christ is important. And fostering that, that atmosphere of, you know, you can tell me anything and I, I'm, I'm not going to be shocked. And, uh, and the Lord's got grace for that too. I think that's, that's an important part of it. And, um, and leading people, you know, into greater faith that God is at work in them and through his work in them, you know, they can uh, overcome you know, what, whatever their, their particular struggle is. It may take a while, you know, you know me, I, I've struggled with things and, you know, depressions and all kinds of issues, but the Lord's just been gracious to walk with me and, and bring me out of those. So I don't know. Is that, is that helpful? Yeah. Yeah. Is this, uh, is this just being gospel centered? Is this, uh, is this Christ centered? Is what, what's, um, you know, earlier I brought up uh, maybe uh, some terms that different uh, different parts of the Western Reform world might be aware of or or comfortable mm -hmm. with. And is this is is that what we're talking about when we talk about? I think it's I think it's being grace? gospel centered. You know, maybe two point uh, You know, I, um, the 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 early movement that I'm aware of of gospel centered ministry. Um, which I'm very thankful for. I don't want to make it sound like I'm not, but you know, it, it basically led to where every sermon, the application of every sermon was, you know, faith and repentance, uh, and and you know, and uh, and believing the gospel, and 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 what I've done is really, it may I've moved that point before you get scared. I haven't taken that point out of my sermon at all, I, but I've moved it up, you know, to where that's the middle of my sermon. And the end of my sermon is what it means to live out of that, you know, because mm -hmm. I think people need to see that. And, and, you know, you just know what's healthy and what's not, you know, it implicitly, right. You know, that, that, you know, if your if your son is 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 going to run at a race, if he's a child and he's going to run a race, and and he looks at you and he, he says, you know, Daddy, you know, do you will you love me if I win? We all know, I, I hope, that it's much healthier to say, Son, I'll love you if you win. I'll love you if you lose. I'll love you if you decide that you don't want to run the race. I'll love you if you fall down. I, I mean, your performance has nothing to do with how much I love you. I want you to have fun and I want you to enjoy yourself. And, and if winning a race would make you happy, I want you to go run it. But, you know, I love you. That, that's healthy. Right. And, and telling your son, buddy, you better win. Or, I, or, you, or if you don't win, you better get a ride home tonight. You know, that's unheld. That, that builds insecurity. Yeah. You don't want to see insecurity in, in people. You want to build health and you want to build confidence and and so if they are confident that that god loves them is is approving of them is smiling at them they're just much healthier people than they are if they're constantly trying to win that approval mm. and they're afraid of losing that approval 
Um, you know, and we know that about ourselves. And, and why would that in any way be less true about God and Christianity? Uh, he is the ultimate loving father. And so I think, I think that's important. I think, you know, I think it's important to remember that God sees one, one of the ways that God sees sin is as a, as a sickness that needs to be cured. Yeah. And, you know, he talks about in, in Hosea, I will heal them of their apostasy. Um, you know, when, when Jesus was asked, why are you spending so much time around sinners? His answer was because the sick need a physician. And again, you know, if you've ever been a parent, you know that when your son is sick, when your child is sick, you don't get mad at him. You, right. you pull him into your lap and you cuddle him until he feels better. And, and, and God is the same way. Our, our sickness draws him to us. Our sin draws out his pity. Um, Horatius Bonner talks about that in, in his wonderful, wonderful book, uh, God's Way of Peace. He says, you know, it's God's, it's your, your inability to believe that draws out God's pity for you and mm. makes him tender toward you. And we just have to give people a God they can trust. Mm. A God that's constantly got his grade book out is not a God you can trust. It's a God you have to hide from. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think you're right. I, that that maybe the the early part of the gospel centered movement helped us see how does this passage point us to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what we're talking about here is how do we minister in a way to help people actually believe what they see about Jesus? Mm-hmm. 100% when they, live out of that. Once they see that, yeah. So yeah. it's, um, I, I think I've heard uh, Dane Orland say that there's the objective truths of the gospel that, you know, Christ died, rose, ascended, you know, we affirm those, but then there's this, there is a, and often we in the Reformed Church are aren't great at this part. There is a subjective, there is a a peace, a joy, assurance mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. that uh, that is is meant to be ours through the gospel, and um, and, and so helping people get that, get mm-hmm. that, taste that, see that, enjoy that. Yeah. Um, so so important. So important. Yep. Yeah, that's it, brother. Yeah. Well, Ricky, we've got time for just one more. Okay. More question. I heard you recently share this a story about uh, a Christmas present you got for your mom. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and how that's ministry, uh, brother. I mean, that's the ultimate picture of ministry, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so you you learned about grace from this yeah. experience. I wonder if you would be willing to share it with us. I'll be delighted to. I'll be delighted to. So yeah, my mom is the one who taught me about grace one year when I was, I was about fourth or fifth grade. And, and I was finally, you know, my brothers, like I said earlier, they were much older than me. My, my younger brother was seven years older than me. And my older, older brother was 10 years older than me. Mm. And so they'd already been out of the house for a while. And, you know, they were making real money and buying real gifts and, all of a sudden, I just kind of realized that my drawing pictures for my mom wasn't cutting it anymore. I wanted to give her a real gift, you know, and, and show her how I felt about her. And 
So I was moping around the house and she asked me, she said, what's wrong? And I said, I said, I don't have any money for Christmas presents. And, you know, so she could see which way the wind was blowing. She, she said, you know, if you'll go out and pick up all those fallen limbs in the yard and, and pile them down by the street, I'd, I'd pay you for that. Which is funny because that was my chore. Like I was supposed to do that anyway, but I was like, oh, great. You know, so I went down there and, and picked all those limbs up, spent all day doing it. And she gave me $10. I remember that it was so much money. And then uh, later that night, she said, you know, I'm, I'm going to Walmart, do a little Christmas shopping. Would you like to come? And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'd love to. So I jumped in the car and we had to drive two cities over to get to Walmart. And uh, on the way, she started telling me about these necklaces that were for sale at Walmart and um, how much she <laughs> wished she had one. And, you know, I, I got into Walmart and I ran back to where the necklaces were. And sure enough, they were for, on sale for $9, you know. I had just enough money for one. And yeah. so I bought it and went and paid for it and, you know, hid it down in the bag. And then, you know, we we're driving home and I kept the bag hidden from her over, you know, between the seat and the door. And I was all excited. And as soon as we got home, I ran back into my bedroom and I, I've grabbed a, the only box I had, which was, I don't know, it was about a milk carton. So it was a huge, huge box. I just dumped it out and uh, put the necklace in there and tried to wrap it. And I had no idea what I was doing. I wasted almost a roll of wrapping paper trying to wrap it. It was just a mess. And so finally, I just got a magic marker and I wrote on the top of that box, Ricky can't wrap. <laughs> and uh, I was crying and I brought it into the living room and I said, Mom, would you would you wrap this but not look at it? And she said, sure. And so she wrapped it real pretty and put it under the tree. And then when Christmas Eve came and it was time for me to you know, time to share family presents. I was so proud to go get that box and put it in her lap. And, you know, I was just giddy. And, mm. and she started unwrapping the present that she had paid for, picked out, driven to get and wrapped. <laughs> <laughs> and then when she, un and she unboxed that gift and she gave me the biggest hug and she said, mm. thank you. Thank you so much. And, I mean, that's grace. You know, that, that's just grace. She, she, she actually kept that box forever. We cleaned out the attic last year after she had passed away and that box is still there and uh, made me cry to see it all over again. But you know, that's, that's what the Lord's attitude toward us is. It's like, yeah, you're making a mess of ministry. It's you're making a hash of it and you do about one third of the things you ought to do. And you do those about half as well as you could, but he is so happy. If he wanted it done perfectly, he'd do it himself. Um, but he he loves us and he lets us be part of it. And um, and he's 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 kind like that, and he's taking joy in us. And and I just remember I try to remember that day as often as I can and remember that that's how the Lord is is viewing us and viewing me. And uh, you know, this this church of mine, it's a it's the present that he bought with Jesus's blood and he's gathered and he's perfecting. And, and yet one day he's going to look at me and say, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for that. And I don't know. That just, that enables me to go to work another day. It makes me excited about it. Yeah. Well, praise God. He is good. Amen. Good. Well, Ricky, let me, uh, on behalf of, the podcast and our listeners, thank you for making some time to, 
to be with us and to, I to loved share. it, man. I, I could talk about Grace all day. So anytime you anytime you need some filler, you let me know. <laughs> it's good to have Grace as a filling for sure. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks, Ricky, for joining us here on the Reformation Fellowship Podcast. I, I loved it. Enjoyed getting to chat with you and I'm looking forward to our listeners getting to hear uh, some of some of what you've learned over the years. Sounds great. Sounds great. Well, let me know when you publish it so I'll know where to find it. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Reformation Fellowship Podcast. We pray that this time together has been a blessing to you. The Reformation Fellowship is a ministry of union. And so all that we do, we hope it helps you to delight in God, grow in Christ, serve the church, and bless the world. If that is your hope, that is your desire, then friends, welcome to the fellowship.